This is attorney Andy Markintel and attorney Mark J. Victor. We are the Attorneys for Freedom, and you, my friends, are listening to the Peace Radicals podcast. How the heck are you, Mark? I am absolutely fantastic, man. It's another awesome day on the planet Earth. And we got an excellent guest here from a very, very far away place. But before we get to him, uh, let's tell the viewers what this Live and Let Live movement's all about. Mark, summarize it, man. Okay, everybody. It's really not that confusing. Here it is right here. Live and let live. We got two parts to the analysis. If you agree with the phrase live and let live, you could be a live and let liver if you really agree with that phrase. So let's break it down because we're actually for live and let live. So what on earth could live mean? Well, we think it means live your life, right? You're in charge of you. You are in charge of your life. That's what live means. I like to say it as you are the unapologetic, iron-fisted dictator of your own body, property, money, and time. In your mind, you're in charge of all that. You are the iron-fisted dictator of that. That's what live means. So if I have anything else to say about how you live, well, these are just suggestions. You can completely ignore me. But the Live and Let Live movement actually has some suggestions in this area. This is what we call our moral principle. And it's all stuff you can completely ignore. But we like to describe our moral principle as be a good human. How about that? What does it mean to be a good human? Well, if you had a good parent, uh, probably you already know what it means to be a good human. But we've, have, we've got some aspirational values that we like to lay out there. Among them are things like open-mindedness and tolerance and voluntary kindness and civility, like we can agree to disagree in a civilized kind of a way, and a commitment to the truth, whatever the truth is, and facts, whatever the facts are, in justice, and building high levels of trust with other human beings. Again, all suggestions. You're absolutely free to completely blow these off. But our movement is pushing these values. Why are we doing that? Well, we're a peace movement, but what we care about here is optimizing human happiness and well-being while minimizing human suffering. So that's what live is about. Uh, there's not that much left to the analysis, right? It's just let live. Now, let live is not a suggestion, right? Let live is kind of a demand. You have to let other people live. What does that mean? Well, we just explained what live is. Live is you're the iron-fisted dictator of yourself. So if you're going to let people live, what that means is you got to let them be the iron-fisted dictators of themselves. This isn't a suggestion here. This is something that is required if you believe in live and let live. So what does it mean to let live? Well, this is where our legal principle comes in. And a legal principle, look, legal rules are different than moral rules. As I said before, the moral rules you can completely ignore. But legal rules, there's a consequence if you violate them. So here's how we title our legal principle. How about this? Don't be an aggressor. And I like to put an exclamation point at the end of that. You don't have any option to be an aggressor. So what's an aggressor? Well, an aggressor is somebody who initiates force against another person or their property or somebody who's involved in fraud or coercion or somebody who does anything 
that actually creates a substantial risk of harm, a big risk of harm to another person or their property. That's what it means to be an aggressor. That's what the legal principle is about. And so in the live and let live movement, what we say is don't violate the legal principle. If you violate the legal principle, well then, We get to do something to you. If it turns out you, after receiving a scrupulously fair trial, actually are found to have violated the legal principle. You could be fined. You could be put in jail. You could be put in prison. So don't violate the legal principle. Very importantly, we say the legal principle applies to everybody. Doesn't matter. Male, female, black, white, rich, poor. Doesn't matter where you're born, what language you speak, what holidays you celebrate, what foods you love. Doesn't matter. The legal principle applies to everybody equally. Nobody gets a special pass here. And it even applies if people form groups. Yeah, if the three of us get together and form a little group, we don't get to violate the legal principle. Even if we form a big group or an organization or a corporation, why on earth would we ever want corporations violating the legal principle? And of course, this also applies to the largest group of all, the government. And if you think about it, it makes sense. Why on earth would we want the government to initiate force against another person or their property or be involved in fraud or coercion or do anything that creates a substantial risk to another person. Now, this, of course, does not rule out self-defense. Self-defense is a response to another person's initiation of force. So anyways, that's what the Live and Let Live movement is about. It's a global peace movement. We're pushing both the live and let live moral principle, which you're completely free to ignore. We hope you don't. Um, We think they're important rules, and we're trying to inspire people to actually bring out the best versions of themselves. And then there's the legal principle. And what we're saying with the legal principle is all laws ought to be in harmony with that legal principle. Folks, if we could get this done, and we don't need everybody, we just need enough, maybe a third, Uh, If we could get this done, we could actually realize peace on earth. So if you're interested in this, check out liveandletlive.org. Join the movement. No big deal. Just put your name and email address in there so we can stay in touch with you. We're going to kick off the movement in March of 2023 with a conference and several conferences around the world. We already have chapters all over the place, lots of them in Africa. we got about 10 different countries in Africa, many different countries in Europe. We have a chapter in Australia and uh, Canada and several places in the United States and also Poland. And we're going to talk about that one in Poland. We are going to talk about that one in Poland. And Mark, I have to say, I like how you explained it today. You did something a little unorthodox for our show. And, and watchers of this show, longtime viewers will know that usually when we're breaking down this uh, principle, we start with the legal rules. We start with that legal principle and then get to the moral side, which you're free to ignore. One that's punishable by some sort of formal consequence. And then that's punishable by maybe some social consequences. You flip-flopped them today on me. And I like that you did that. Because it's a, and I think the reason we usually do it the other way is because that's the typical freedom crowd's approach to it, right? Is basically saying, here's the legal rules, and then we're stopping there, but we go further than that. Why did you choose to explain it differently today? Well, you know, the moral principle is just as important as the legal principle. And hey, let's face it, you and I are lawyers. We love talking about the law. Uh, That's what we talk about. We are a little biased towards We're a little biased. We like talking about the law. We love the law. 
And uh, but you know, there's another podcast called Peace Talks that is hosted by Maria Alejandra, the new executive director of the Live and Let Live Foundation, and she talks a little bit about that legal principle. But what she's really doing is inspiring people to really bring out the best versions of themselves. And so, if you're interested in really exploring this moral principle and the really very uplifting, positive message that Live and Let Live is delivering to the world. Check out Peace Talks. You can see these episodes also at liveandletlive.org. And I understand she'll be appearing on this podcast in the not-too-distant future, so we have that to look forward to as well. But let's waste no further time, and let's get Mr. Yatsik Spindel in the chat. He is the president of Liberty International, which he's going to tell you all about in a second. It's how we know him. It's how Mark established contact with him. And he's a wonderful mind, a wonderful freedom advocate. Yatsik, how you doing, my friend? Hello, Andy. Hello, Mark. It is an honor and pleasure to be here at the Live and the Live Studios or in Chandler, Arizona. I come, as you said, from Poland, so quite a big distance to Arizona, but uh, I love coming back here. It's, I don't know, maybe uh, visit number nine or number 10 in Arizona. I come here very often, and I think there'll be an occasion to, to discuss this, but I'm first time at the Peace Radical show, and uh, I'm actually also a member of uh, Live and Let Live Poland, um, and I support very deeply the concept, 3L concept. I really like the idea of, of spreading the notion of peace, uh, connecting liberty and peace together, and um, I, I very much agree with the notion that non-aggression principle is obviously number one, but how do we live our lives also matter a lot. How do we use freedom that we all shall have uh, matters a lot. What kind of humans are we matters a lot. And live and let live is conveying this message. So I want to be part of it as much as I can. So great job, and I'm excited to be your guest today. Awesome. Hey, what's, uh, what's Liberty International all about? You want to talk about that? Yeah, definitely. Liberty International is a pretty old organization, actually one of the oldest uh, in the United States spreading libertarianism because it was started back in 1969 under a different name, Society for Individual Liberty. And it's a purely, I would say, libertarian organization that focuses on education, on spreading ideas of freedom, especially in uh, less fortunate countries and especially for newcomers, people who are new to libertarian ideas. We are not in public policy. We are teaching people on what is free society, what are the important elements of free society, what is this libertarianism all about. And uh, recently, this is something that I am quite proud about, we also try to teach them about how to apply these principles in your life, in the personal lives of each, each one of us. And um, we have a number of projects um, with this world conference being the oldest one, first one, 1982, Zurich, Switzerland, and the most um, uh, recent one in beautiful Medellin, Colombia. That's from where Maria Alejandra, uh, executive director of uh, Live and Let Live, is from. Um, and uh, Mark was there. He was one of our speakers. We had a fantastic conference. These conferences happen uh, regularly, every year. Of course, including, excluding some years like 2020 when COVID did not allow. 
So we have uh, Project Arizona, something mm-hmm. that brought me here, something that I'm doing uh, since 2017. This is the fifth edition of Project Arizona. We have students from all over the planet coming here to Phoenix to not only live through these principles of liberty, but experience it. Arizona is still relatively one of the freest places in the world. And through internships, through education, through uh, networking meetings, volunteering, they can feel it. And uh, the passion for liberty and when the passion can be realized in, in this place, Arizona is a perfect place to realize your passion, to meet similar thinking people, to see that some of these ideas are actually implemented and you see results with naked eye. This is uh, what uh, what drives us, and this is what uh, I'm very passionate about. I love coming back here, especially in winter when the weather is perfect. We have liberty camps uh, all over the world. Uh, these are typically five, six-day-long camps where we discuss ideas of liberty with newcomers, young people, usually teenagers, and this is where they actually can uh, train or polish their English language. This is also a great opportunity for them to have a conversations in this language that is now uh, lingua franca the most spoken language in the w- maybe not the most in terms of numbers but uh it's um, i would say the most important uh, language so liberty camps the conference uh, i mentioned the project arizona but we also have this brand new project that i very much love and i want to say something about it it's uh, libertarian solutions project it's an online course that we just started the second uh, edition of Libertarian Solutions Friday, January 7th, but it's still possible people can join it. Uh, This is something um, designed to empower people about actual solutions uh, they can implement in their own lives to become freer and more prosperous. And we have four pillars. We talk about mental uh, issues, uh, how to get away of your own traps that your mind mind uh, <laughs> has against it of you. Um, we talk about financial freedom, things like uh, precious metals, cryptocurrencies, and so on and so forth. We talk about uh, health, because uh, Mark would agree, I'm sure, good health is something we need to live longer. And you want to be free. You want to be free for a longer period of time. You want to be healthy, free person, right? That's right. And we also talk about, we call it the global citizenship. So all these opportunities we are having right now in 21st century, we often, as, as freedom lovers, we, offer, we often um, uh, complain about government taking our liberties slice by slice. That's actually true. We complain about taxes. Of course, they are too high. But there are amazing opportunities this world is giving us in terms of travel, in terms of, I don't know, getting second passport, different kind of residence. You can use internet to have a company in Singapore, even if you live in Arizona or if you live in Colombia, wherever, Poland. There are fantastic opportunities this world offers to us. Oh, it's the best time and to be alive. Need to yeah. grab these opportunities. We talk about these things because... This is modeled after Harry Brown, this famous libertarian author, uh, author of a few books, but one of them, How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World. I was deeply inspired with this book. Um, It basically says that we might not be able to win majority of hearts and minds in this world, especially politicians, 
collectivism is very popular. I wish we can win this battle, of course, and we should try to win this battle. But at the end, you have only one life. You can do really quite a lot to liberate yourself, even though these guys in government are doing bad stuff. Uh, this world, as you said, Andy, we live in the best times, right? Um, it was never, uh, never so, um, I would not say easy, but approachable to, to gather more freedoms and uh, prosperity and uh, wealth and so on and so forth. So right now is the best time to, to grab these things and uh, without looking at government. Or uh, there are people, different uh, thinkers, I think Jordan Peterson is one of them who say, you want to change the world? First, um, make up your room. So I would say, you want to make uh, a world a place of liberty? First, uh, maximize liberty in your life. Maximize liberty in your lifetime. As Michael Jackson said, start with the man in the mirror, right? Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with that. <laughs> As Stephen yeah. Covey said, focus on your own sphere of influence. That's right. That's right. First off, how do people, if they're interested in learning more about Liberty International, where do they go to find out more about some of these projects that you just talked about? They go to website, uh, liberty-intl.org. They go to Facebook. Uh, individual Liberty International. Sorry, it took me longer. Uh, they go to Twitter, they go to Instagram, and they just search uh, Liberty International. I said facebook.com slash individual Liberty International. It, it is because our name before, that's important to mention, was different. Uh, we changed the name around 10 years ago. Earlier, we were named ISIL. Yeah, unfortunate little <laughs> acronym there, yes. That is why we changed it. Uh, Oof. It, it stands for International Society for Individual Liberty. Right. And uh, we had this name for a very, very long time, for decades. Many people still associate us with this name. I like the name, but it's quite long. And uh, it actually found this bad connotation when the crazy Muslim state started their activities long, big scale. It was not called ISIS. Uh, I'm sure you remember it was called ISIL. Islamic State of something and Levant, right? I, I don't know exactly. Yeah, and yeah. we got a lot of hate mail. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Yeah. You know, you made and a really... We are I love the point that you made about this is the best time ever to be alive. And I think a lot of people sometimes in especially the freedom crowd, right, they get discouraged because they feel like, hey, you know, we're not getting everything that we want. And there are aspects of the world right now that are maybe moving in the wrong direction. But, you know, even if you factor all that in, there's never been a better time to be alive. There is no time. And again, this is true whether you are a white male like me or whatever color your skin is or wherever you're from, this is the best time. There, if, you, if you could get into a time machine and travel back and go to a different time, you wouldn't because this is the best time to be alive. And so we're all very, very lucky to be in this situation that we're in right now. As you point out, yeah, you can, you can open up a business in Singapore while you're living in Poland and uh, it's just tremendous, the things that are happening. And so, you know, I see this as an as an awesome opportunity. There's never been a better time to spread information around the world. Look at what we're doing here. We're putting a podcast together. The three of us can get together. And anybody in the world with an Internet connection 
or who can who can get to a Starbucks or some kind of coffee house or some Wi-Fi somewhere in the world can download and listen to this show and we can say whatever we want on this show. And so there's never been a time like this. So we need to seize this opportunity. In fact, um, I know a lot of people are upset because of the uh, corona situation in, in the United States. The Republicans are upset. This party has pretty much crumbled. I don't know what the Republicans stand for anymore. So have the Democrats. I don't know what they stand for. And everybody's in disarray. You couldn't set the stage better uh, to start a new movement like the Live and Let Live movement uh, than it is right now. That's why I'm really excited about it. And uh, it, it, it was, I look forward every year to see Jacek come to, come to the firm from Poland. I remember when I first found out about Jacek, I got a call from somebody and, and I was told, oh, there's this guy from Poland and he's bringing people uh, to Arizona and he's a, he's a freedom guy. And I thought, a freedom guy in Poland? Probably not. But let me talk to him. But, you know, as I got to know Jacek over the years, this is a real hardcore pro-freedom guy. He really understands what it is we're talking about. He understands live and let live. He understood it the first time I talked to him. And now uh, there's a very active chapter in Poland pushing live and let live. It's exciting how we're connecting the world. I mean, here we are sitting with my good friend now, Jacek from Poland, and we're literally connecting the world with the Live and Let Live movement. And uh, I feel like I've got a community of friends all over the world. We had our meeting this past Saturday, and there were people there from uh, Africa and Poland and Portugal and just all over the place. It's really turned into a very nice community. So I want to thank you for everything that you're doing. I love Project Arizona. We take an intern every single year. We always, we always get a great person. I wish I could take more than one. And uh, I feel like we've built some really tremendous relationships over the years. So thank you for everything that you're doing. Absolutely. You always send us quality people um, over, you know, as our interns from Project Arizona. We love them. I have a question for you, Yatsik. You mentioned that um, one of the things that you appreciate about this movement, the Live and Let Live movement, is that um, for you the focus is on the non-aggression principle first and foremost. This is the normal um, course of action for libertarians, right? They say, okay, non-aggression principle is great, that's fantastic, and not a lot of things to say about the moral side of things, the ethical rules that we're trying to promote. Do you think it's something that the freedom crowd has missed historically? Do you think it's something we need to bring focus on? What do you think is the strength of of kind of making this a two-pronged analysis I think it's very necessary and it's needed uh, element of course you can be a libertarian and still um, a tough guy who is not nice to a neighbor but respects his property respect uh, will not hurt him will not take his life yeah he could be a libertarian but it's better to aspire for more right and maybe that's the way how we can win more hearts and minds I, I truly believe in it. First time I encountered this debate was, I think it was nearly 10 years ago, maybe seven, when I read this article by Jeffrey Tucker against libertarian brutalism. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was really, really good. And I think we have this libertarian brutalism on the left and on the right uh, of our freedom You should movement. explain what, that, what, what Jeff Tucker means by that. Basically, he meant that there is uh, quite a... St- Strong, mm, there are quite strong elements in our movement, people, also institutions, but I will not give names, that are uh, not only <coughs> concerned 
just about this mm, negative part of uh, what we believe in, which is necessary and I don't want to water it down. Obviously, <coughs> live liberty property, and I still believe in it. But uh, uh, the fact that, for example, uh, as libertarians, we believe that people um, can discriminate and will discriminate, Obviously, they can and they will, because most of the decisions you you need to discriminate. But let, let's let's be honest here. There is a discrimination that is okay. Uh, for example, if when you choose a, a partner in your life, I would you hope you would. Other I hope you would others. be. Yeah, <laughs> and that's okay. I think most people agree that you need to discriminate uh, based on factors that you choose. And there is discrimination that is not okay. For example, if you just decide in your mind that someone of different sexual orientation, different religion, different color of skin or different whatever, uh, color of hair, <laughs> um, does not earn your mm, respect. You, you believe this person I will not respect because the skin is different or religion is not nice, or something like that. That is not okay. That is not nice. I, Of course, if we are in the legal room, I really like when Mark often says, moral room, legal room. From the legal standpoint, of course you should be able to do this. I'm not calling for any legislation, anything like that. But yes, I do distinguish between different kinds of discrimination. So we have these individuals and groups inside our movement that would not only say this is okay but they kind of celebrate it that uh, you can discriminate based on these not nice things that i mentioned they would celebrate they would say that this is the essence no these are the fringes that we should accept but there's nothing nice about it yeah so let's uh, put a concrete example in here so people can really understand what it is we're talking about so uh, imagine we're dealing with a restaurant owner and the restaurant owner says uh, you know, look, I'm, I'm a white supremacist kind of guy, and uh, there's a whole group of people I don't like. I don't like Jews. I don't like blacks. I don't like guys from Poland, whatever, and they're not welcome in my restaurant. I'm not serving them. Now, all libertarians, if they're actually libertarians, would say, well, you know, if this guy's the owner of the restaurant— the right to trade also includes the right not to trade. We would have to be forcing him to trade with these people, and that violates the legal principle here. So this guy's allowed to do what he's wanting to do. Now, a lot of libertarians would very quickly pivot and make an economic argument, which is probably a good argument. At least I hope it's a good argument, which is, well, if somebody acted that way, if they actually were legally allowed to say we're not serving uh, Jews, blacks, Polish guys, or gay guys, or whatever. This is, of course, uh, in my opinion, a very foolish position uh, for many reasons. I th also think it's an immoral position. But he has every right to take such a position so long as he's peaceful. I would hope that um, the economics of the situation are such that people would say, like I would, I'm not going to this guy's restaurant. I don't care you know, whether he, he would serve me or not. I'm not supporting this guy's business. But that's the most a libertarian can say, really, as a libertarian anyways. As a live and let liver, 
uh, we can say something different. We can say, hey, this guy here is not in compliance with our moral principle at all. We're pushing open-mindedness and tolerance and voluntary kindness. And there's nothing about this guy, this restaurant owner's policy, that uh, comports with that. So this guy is not a good candidate for the Live and Let Live movement. He's not somebody that we would even want in our movement. However, we would defend his right to exclude whoever he wants to exclude on any basis, no matter how foolish. And it's funny because people seem to understand this just fine, at least in the United States, in a free speech context, right? In a speech context, most Americans will recognize that, take the same guy, right? And now he goes out on the street and he holds a sign and he says, you know, I I hate uh, whatever, insert whatever group you want. He has every right to say that. He has every right to march right down the center of town with his horrible, ugly views. And almost all Americans recognize that he has a right to do that. And as a law firm, we would certainly defend his free speech rights to say things that we find horribly offensive. But somehow in the trading area... People fall off the bandwagon. I don't know why they fall off the bandwagon here because it's exactly the same concept. Maybe it's because we went through such a horrible period of time in the United States during the Civil Rights Acts where restaurant owners indeed did exactly that and said, we're not serving black people here. Well, the rationale here is that it never would have changed widespread unless it was imposed by the government. That if uh, they didn't impose it by force, people would have been happy to just continue ad infinitum, um, discriminating against folks that they didn't like for immutable characteristics. That's the driving principle behind a lot of folks on the left's policy preferences, is that we need to force people to be moral, and then if we force them to do it long enough, like a good trained animal, then eventually they'll acquire those moral characteristics on their own, and maybe even come to um, believe them. That's that's the rationale behind it. I agree, but... What I observe, uh, especially last decade, is that we, are, we see more and more illiberalism on both left and right. I mean, on the right, maybe it's an older notion, um, uh, you know, things connected to nationalism, connected to right. skin and so on. We know that. But on the left, we discover new versions of illiberalism connected to uh, censorship. Yes. Yeah, as you guys were saying that most people uh, respect uh, free speech in this country, I'm becoming increasingly more skeptical of that. Yeah, you might be right about that. Maybe that's an old-fashioned idea. I don't know. (laughs) But, you know, the problem with this is obvious, right? I mean, it sounds great when you say, look, we've got the better moral position. Let's just force it on everybody. The problem is not everybody agrees on morality. And uh, because not everybody agrees on morality, once we cross over that threshold and now we say we can impose our moral views on other people by force, by using the government to sort of impose this on them, well, everybody's got their own ideas, right? There are people in the world who would say women who go outside without headscarves on, uh, this is a bad thing and we should make a law against that. So where does it end? This is an endless struggle. This is what we have now. This is the endless fight. It's almost like Hobbes's war well, of the, all against all. The, there's another more crucial philosophical problem with it, which is it's really a moral problem, is that 
There's no such thing as forced morality. There's no such thing as forced morality. That's an oxymoron. You're moral because you voluntarily act to help your fellow human being or voluntarily act to improve the lives of others. And to be forced to do it on penalty of punishment is amoral. Right. Very often people say that I set an example because I want others to follow. But if you do not set an example, but government set set this example for everyone, that doesn't make sense. You're totally right, Andy. It's oxymoron, and uh, it has nothing to do with what ethics and, or morality should stand for. Yeah, I mean, if we if we took an, sort of an android, a robot or something, and we programmed it to only do moral things, and all it knew was to do these kinds of things, I don't think we would say this is a morally acting being at all. It's just acting the way it has to act. And the same is true. Uh, it's it's like imagine a, a weapon of mass destruction saying this is an immoral. The thing itself is immoral. And there certainly are immoral things that human beings can do to use with that. But the thing itself isn't moral or immoral because it doesn't have a choice. To Andy's point, he's exactly right. It's about predicated this. on freedom. Morality is predicated on freedom. You have to have the freedom to act morally in order to be moral. Yeah, and I think and I hope that uh, we have majority of hearts and minds because most people believe in let, live and let live yes however we in this world you you mentioned the scarves on uh, women had saudi arabia uh you must have a scarf france you cannot have a scarf opposite what is this right these are illiberal regimes Both. one is going uh, into theocracy another one is going into something opposite where government is dictating, you can't have these, you know, symbols of religion, whatever. I don't like neither. Right. I want liberty. Right. I think about it like this. Uh, imagine that you have a thief or somebody with a just an overwhelming compulsion to steal. And if they had the opportunity and they could get away with it, they would gladly steal your money. But because of the laws or surveillance that they're under or whatever you want to put into the equation, they know that they're going to get caught. And so they refrain from doing it just simply for the fact that they're going to be punished. Would we honestly look at this person who has this overwhelming feeling of wanting to do harm or defraud or steal their fellow man's possessions and say, this person is a moral person. I think we'd be hesitant to do that just because they're they're not doing the conduct because they're worried about being punished. That's the way that I look at this when you're saying we can legislate morality. We can force people to be moral. You have to have the opportunity. It's like that wonderful conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago with the pastor from Chandler, where one of the things we talked about is one's ability to be moral is predicated on their uh, ability to screw up. They have to be able to screw up in order for the moral choice to have any meaning whatsoever. So I don't know. It's just to, to draw this line. I think if we could draw this line for the average person, it would do a great service to humanity, and it would do a great service towards rewiring people's brains to understand that just because I think that conduct's immoral doesn't mean the correct answer is to legislate it. You know, uh, we started a conversation about libertarian movement, and the question was, do I see pr- uh, some problems connected to... Um, connected to ignorance towards live and that live principles inside the movement and I said yes I do see it I still I wanted I would like to say that this is not majority of our libertarian movement I I, I think majority of people are very decent mm-hmm. uh, rational and good-hearted people 
Uh, however, yes, we do have some elements on these fringes. I would say, okay, I'm not a big fan of left and right, but sometimes it's hard to find better words to exchange them with. So we also have inside our libertarian camp, we have our own left and our own right. I have a feeling that people on the fringes, even inside our movement, are not live and let livers. Um, people um, on these fringes would focus on changing another libertarian, how he or she should think, more than challenging the Leviathan, the yes. state, the people and the institutions that uh, rob us from freedoms every day. Yeah. It's more important to change the other libertarian to point finger point that mm -hmm. he is a fascist. I literally I heard one left wing libertarian calling a guy from the more conservative party a fascist. You can call this guy many names, but he's not a fascist. There's too much infighting. And I heard other things like these are communists or these are socialists, whatever. That's also not true. These are brothers and sisters libertarians. We may have different lifestyles. We may have different religion or lack of it. We, we may have different skins. But we are still libertarians and we have a, a job to do. Yeah. Deliver more freedom, right? In this world. And we have these stupid infights instead. This I really don't like it. And I hope this live and let live um, uh, movement, um, obviously it's a separate movement, but it can be also uh, refreshing for our libertarian movement as well. Yeah, I think there's uh, some reasons why the libertarian movement has not been more successful than it has. I mean, obviously, they're pushing 50% of what we're pushing, right? Our, our, As I've explained, the live in, let live legal principle, this is very akin uh, to the libertarians' non-aggression principle. They essentially mean the same thing. Um, other people have stated the same principle differently, as Andy likes to point out. John Stuart Mill expressed it with the harm principle. Um, Christians will express it with the golden rule. There are other ways of expressing this in, in other places. In, uh, in Hawaii, they call it the aloha spirit. But we, the people who, who subscribe to these kinds of messages, which is really the same messages, have just done a very bad job at sort of explaining that. And, and part of the reason is they don't lead with the principle. They don't recognize the importance of anchoring the movement on a principle, why it's so important. And they start with issues. I know I was guilty of this myself. If, if you just say, you know, if the conversation is, well, how do you feel about this issue? And you just say, uh, drugs should be legal. You know, we went, we went through this big, huge thing recently here in Arizona with legalizing marijuana. This was a, a decades-long struggle. And uh, I wrote an article that was entitled, Stop Arguing That Marijuana Is Not Harmful. And the reason I said that is not because I think it's harmful. It's because it doesn't matter if it's harmful or not. That is not the right principle upon which to base this position, right? Some people argued, well, it's not harmful and therefore it should be legal. Other people argued, well, it helps certain medical conditions and therefore it should be legal. Um, you know, we in the Live and Let Live movement say if you're a competent adult, you get to decide for yourself. Whether it's good for you, bad for you, whether it helps or hurts or whatever it does, this is just the nature of live and let live. It's the nature of a free society. You're the iron-fisted dictator of your body. You get to decide what goes in it, even if it's not healthy. Most of the stuff we ingest is not healthy. In fact, you know, I, I don't think the purpose of life is to live the most ideal, healthiest, or even longest life. 
Uh, you know, Andy eats a, in my opinion, a not not optimally healthy diet. He's going to fight me on it, but I, we got T. Colin Campbell coming here, so he's a guest on a future show. We're going to talk about whatever diet is the healthiest diet. To that, Andy says, "I don't really care. I eat whatever I want. I'm the iron-fisted dictator of me." To some extent, I say the same thing, right? Imagine. If somebody got to lay down what the rule is for everybody, this is totalitarianism. It's not I think freedom. my dietary recklessness was a little bit misrepresented <laughs> there, but I agree completely with what you're saying is that, you know, think of it in terms of every single decision that we do has a certain amount of harm and a certain amount of good that it does. And life is not about living as scrupulously towards that, like, I must, every decision must be the most healthy thing ever. Um, that I could possibly do. Um, life's about balance. Life's Actually, about living happy. Talking about food, I don't know how it is it's treated here in America, but where I live in Europe, in Poland, actually government steps in and they, it's not yet totalitarian. They are not uh, abolishing types of foods uh, that they don't uh, support, but they will be using tax mechanism to tell you what you should eat or not. I uh, give an example, um, starting January 20, 2021, which is one year ago, they introduced this uh, sugar tax. They call it sugar charge because they never use the tax anymore, the word tax anymore. There are no more taxes. In well, that'll change everything. There are only fees right? and charges, right? Right. <laughs> and they say, this is not a tax. And, okay, but it is. And uh, they, it's very severe tax. Uh, two liter bottle of Coke or Pepsi used to cost let's say 1.5 dollar on average now it's 2 2.5 between 2 and 2.5 is a quite big increase and they would say we do this because we are concerned about health of the people especially young ones they drink too much of this sweet stuff tax it then we have others on the uh, from the progressive party who call for uh, heavy tax on meat because they don't eat meat and they would like to step-by-step uh, step, um, get away of meat. But first they would like to tax it so to make some money for other things. Uh, then we have this tax on chips that uh, is uh, being proposed and I think has a big chance to be legislated. Uh, it's happening. The government is on your plate. They are dictating. Uh, it starts with incentives like taxes, but uh, they, it, they end up with telling you what you should eat or not. Yeah, and you cannot be fi Iron Fist dictator anymore of your life and what you put in your body. So the struggle is real. Yeah. New York, the state of New York actually one upped Poland on that. They banned sugary beverages like sodas and everything of certain sizes. You remember when that happened? Mayor, was it was like, Bloomberg at yeah, the time who yeah. was the mayor. Wasn't he, that about the size of the bottle? Yes, it was, it the, was big, the big gulp. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, I used this as an example at the time because I happen to agree with Bloomberg on this point. Bloomberg says these big sugary soda drinks are really, really bad for your health. On this point, I am in total agreement with him. The only place I differ is an important spot, right? He, he feels like he's entitled because of that to make the decision for everybody, to which I say, I, I don't know where he claims to get such a right. I mean, Suppose one lives their life completely clean, plant-based, vegan diet, whatever is the most healthy way to eat, 
and they do so because they really love soda, and they decide that once a week they want to save up their health points for the week and enjoy that 30 minutes of drinking their big gulp. Who the hell is Bloomberg to say that that person shouldn't be accommodated and we need a one-size-fits-all solution? Can we say that Bloomberg is good on live but very bad on lead live? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't even know if he's good on live. I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, in a sense, he doesn't recognize other people's right to live. He's deciding how they should live. He's not really good on anything here, other than his decision, which I happen to agree with, that these big sugary sodas are bad for you. But who cares? I mean, if you want a free society, that's that's life in the big city. And I think some of this stems from the fact that the government has now forcefully connected people with the socialist health care system, right? The idea here is that, well, if I'm now going to have to pay for your health care, well, then I insist you get out there and exercise three, four, five times a week and eat all these healthy things. I mean, where does this end? It creates a lot of moral hazard. Yes. I come from a country that has a single-payer system, the, the dream of American progressives or, and socialists. We have it. We have a right to be treated any condition whatsoever, but it's a paper right. It's uh, in reality, you end up in a long line mm. and if anything, if your condition is complicated, you end up in the United States and you need to run your own GoFundMe campaign because they don't pay for this kind of things. So the nature of insurance from the very beginning was to cover the catastrophic cases because people don't have that much money and I agree with this notion. Uh, while the simple things we would pay from our pocket, Poland and many other European countries is upside down. You break the leg, yes, they will fix it. They, they still can do this. You will um, have uh, some minor health problem. Probably they can still fix it. You will have something really catastrophic, complicated, expensive. No, they don't handle this. Mm. They don't handle this. I it's completely out of touch. I and uh, it's a moral hazard as well. Uh, Mark, I want to link to what you said. Right now, under COVID, in this COVID pandemic situation, uh, we have this uh, tremendous uh, discussion. Um, some people say that um, the uh, unvaccinated people should not have access to healthcare. And you know what? Under private system, we want all private system, right? The more, the more private things, the better. Um, we want everything to be voluntary. Voluntary, is a good reason. That yes. must be private. Yeah. Uh, that could happen. I can, Im I can imagine a sure. private insurance company that says, if you are not vaccinated, you you are no more covered or or your or your um, premium will yeah, go up right because the risk is bigger but now this is a one size fits all system everybody contributes more or less the same and it creates tr uh, tremendous uh, problems uh, and they try to figure things out inside which are n you can't figure because there was from the very beginning there was an aggression against people uh, who are part of the system implemented. So you can't make arguments that you would normally make under the voluntary system. So they, one, one side says uh, they should not get healthcare. Another, another side says, no, we should uh, get everything the same, like others. 
but you get arguments on both sides. One side says uh, they are uh, putting more risks in their life, but the other side says we pay the same. Yeah, we're saying and we don't we don't have to decide this question. Let 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 yeah. people voluntarily choose to do what they choose to do. I mean, if you're vaccinated and you're healthy and you're this that and the next thing, I could imagine an insurance company that says we offer very low premiums and good coverage for such people. But if you're on the other end of the spectrum, right, you live your life in ways that create large hazards for expensive medical treatments. Well, you know, there are consequences to these decisions. You you know, if you can even get health coverage at this point, I'm sure it's going to be very expensive. So we need to. And on the flip side, suppose you were in a rabid anti-vaxxer who wanted to make a health insurance company and you say, you know, that's right. all hocus pocus. Yep. It's yep. nonsense. I offer the same premiums. The market's going to give you an answer real quick if you're correct on that, if, if your uh, clients are more or less prone to, uh, to health problems because of their vaccination status. Can, yeah, can you believe what we're dealing with right now with the airlines? It's a one-size-fits-all policy. Could you uh, just imagine if airlines as, as companies were actually operating in a live-and-let-live kind of a world? I don't know. If I was running the airline, my thought is it's probably a big group of people who want to travel with other people who are vaccinated or just been tested and are wearing masks. And there's also a sizable group of people that want no part of any of that. I think I would designate some of my flights. Hey, uh, this is a mask flight. If you want to fly on this, you must wear a mask, show you've been vaccinated. This one is a no mask flight. And let's just see what the market selects. Yeah, what's going to happen in response to that is a lot of people who don't agree with that preference are going to say, well, they're genocidal. That, That airline is killing people. They're contributing to deaths and there's going to be a social backlash yeah. to that right so in this, this climate is, this is it. We, we observe for many many years now the problem that people don't make this division between uh legal and moral right they also when they see a problem they call for government there ought to be a law attitude right john stossel was really good at right very good mm-hmm. um but now what i'm seeing even more is that they they don't see anymore the difference between private and public it's uh, this COVID situation made it clearer than ever. If, they, if there's going to be a rule, it will be for everyone. Yeah. Private facilities, public facilities. Like, for example, in my country, in Poland, the discussion about who should uh, be vaccinated. I mean, who, where, where the va- uh, vaccination mandates should be imposed on. Uh, one side says no one. Another side says everyone. But I see some difference between... Let's say uh, border border guard. Um, we this is kind of sensitive in Poland right now. We have this problem on the east border with Putin, Russia, Belarus, and so on. Basically, you know, these are public government officials um, and private company. I see a difference between rules within private company and rules uh, in the in the government, in the army, for example. Uh, I also see difference between now I will go to different uh, area than vaccination. We don't need to be in this area, in this room. Smoking bans. For example, I do understand, I, I think I support smoking ban in the public public areas, such as courts, such as government buildings, because they, they are accessible for everyone. So <laughs> you need to have probably one rule. And uh, it's better to have the no, no, no smoking rule. But I would never impose no smoking ban on the private. Uh, entities they should decide 
I, in my opinion, they can even impose a uh, smoking rule. Yeah, you have to you smoke to, to come smoke. in. I'm okay with this. That's right. As long as you know when you enter, right? It's, yeah. it's a lot not? easier when you have but, a... But the, the smoking bans, uh, were, were, which are quite old now in America, over a decade, right? It's well, yeah, and you were also talking earlier about how Poland's government is getting on your plate with its taxes. You want to talk about manipulating people's conduct with taxes? Take a look at smoking in America. The cost of a pack of cigarettes has exactly. increased like 9,000% in the last couple of decades. Exactly, exactly. And and then the smoking bans, when uh, in me, I was in Michigan at the conference 10 years ago. Can you even, 10 years ago, uh, I knew that uh, they have this ban, uh, smoking ban inside the restaurant, but I was very, very surprised to hear that even in this little garden outside the rest, it's still a restaurant premises, but it's open air. Michigan had the ban there. You can't smoke even though it's open air. It's a private facility. Crazy. These were the beginnings when I probably you are a bit older, Mark, uh, Andy, I think similar age to me. Um, uh, you might remember maybe earlier situations when public and private were not clear to, uh, to government and to big portion of public. But for me, it was the first shockers. Yeah. 10, 15 years ago to see like, they don't understand private and public. A lot of and people. Now I see it all the freaking time. Yeah, a lot of people still it. don't make this distinction. They don't recognize that the vast majority of things in the Constitution really apply to restrain the government, not to private individuals. You know, we still every once in a while we'll get somebody who comes in who's upset because you know a store owner might have said no guns, and they think they have a Second Amendment right to to enter and bring their gun or something like that. They just don't recognize. Uh, the difference. And, and I think that difference, as well as the difference between what is legal and what is moral, are, are really big, big points that people need to understand. I, I was recently having a conversation with our executive director, Maria Alejandra, on this point. And I, and I made the point to her, and I think we both agreed that uh, this issue of making a distinction between legal and moral needs to be right at the forefront, which is, I mean, it's not an accident that we have a legal principle and a moral principle. And we, whenever we present Live and Let Live, we talk about both of them right up front very quickly because people, if they don't understand the difference between a legal rule and a moral rule, there's no way, there's no hope we're going to ever convince them to get to a more pro-freedom, pro-peace position. Can I give you another example? Please, of this, yeah. Uh, lack of understanding pl private versus pu public in my country, in Poland. In, it might be, may be funny for you, but uh, there's debate about pharmacies. And here, here's interesting case. Mm, it's about contracept contraception, uh, products for contracept contraceptives. Yes, contraceptives. Contraceptives, and the left wing says the pharmacies must sell contraceptives. Period. Whether must. they want to or not. M U S T. Yeah. What says the right? The right says they must not. That, no, 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 no. They don't say they must not. They say the employee should have this uh, torch of, they call it, uh, they, they should have this protection of the, the, the conscious, um, which, uh, it, of course, is a government bill that should allow the employee to decide by him or herself if he or she would sell this or not. 
Regardless of what the business owner and, and wants. And I right? ask questions. Oh. Where is the owner here? <laughs> hey, Mr. Left Hair, Mr. Right, where is the owner? And what he thinks about selling this or not. But, you know, you can They see, don't care. You, they're just they trying to impose new rules for the, for the owner's employees, basically. Like, hey, we've come up with some rules for, for your you, business. You radio, you hear this oh, debate, left and right. And she's like, they, are, they both are, like, brainless. And you can they, see... Right at the heart of this debate, like so many others, is a confusion about moral and legal, right? Because what you got here is some people saying, we think contraceptives, for whatever reason, are immoral, and we want to do our best to impose that moral view on other people through the law, whether they like it or not, by maybe saying, you know, they, they can't sell them or they must sell them or something like that. And this is exactly what it is we need to get our heads around. If we're ever going to get to a peaceful world, like these are our choices. Our choices are either A, we endlessly fight one another to see who can impose their moral views on everybody else, or B, we make a decision to say, you know what, all of our moral views, even the ones we agree with, especially those, they all come out of the law. And moral views, like Andy said, you got to have choice, right? You got to be free to make an immoral decision in order to make a, in, in order for us to recognize the decision that you made as a moral decision. And I think this is something when it's put in front of people, they understand it. The problem is in the freedom crowd or freedom movement, this hasn't been put in front of people. I, I heard, and I don't want to be too critical of the libertarian movement here, but I introduced Joe Jorgensen, who was the Libertarian Party presidential candidate here in the United States in the last election, when she came to Arizona and gave a speech. I introduced her, and then I sat and I listened for an hour and a half, and not one time, not once, did she even mention the principles. She did a great job going from issue to issue to issue, and this was just like the Republicans or the Democrats, just a collection of issues that uh, people look at and say, well, which issues do I like based on whatever criteria they are also using? And this is why I think that the freedom movement, or I would say the peace movement as well, has been spinning its wheels because it hasn't really been presenting what is the heart of the problem in an effective way. And that's exactly what we're doing with Live and Let Live. And it's just part of the reason this is growing so quickly. Let's get super rudimentary here since you spend a lot of time through Liberty International introducing people who may have never heard of these ideas and concepts before. One misconception that I hear about libertarianism and now that I'm hearing as we're introducing people to the 3L is that people, when they hear libertarianism, which is basically the legal principle, non-aggression principle, can be somewhat summarized by do whatever the hell you want as long as you don't commit force, fraud, or coercion, just don't be an aggressor, everything like that. That's the legal principle, right? And that's where most libertarians stop. People at this point erroneously believe that what libertarianism is trying to say is we want you to do everything and, and go crazy as long as you don't or don't hurt any people, use drugs, you know, engage in prostitution, be totally reckless with your decision making, everything like that. And people erroneously think that that's the position of libertarians. I think this is one of the important things about the 3L is that we're saying, no, hold on, we can make moral judgments. We can very well say, no, we do not condone that type of behavior. This entire non-judgmentalism is stupid, right? Right, right. So do you do you ever have that hurdle? That's something that just I, I find to be a hurdle for people who are just getting into freedom concepts. Here in America, I think so. Um, 
I saw different kinds of events uh, here. And I remember that convention when one guy was dancing in, in his panties. <laughs> and that was supposedly very important big convention. It was supposed to elect future president of the United States on libertarian ticket. And that's actually supporting what you said, this notion that go as reckless as possible. Just don't kill people. And as long as you don't kill them, go as far as you can. It's not great. It's yeah, not gra it's, not gra it's a course, problem. In the legal room, I agree, you can dance like this, of course. But it's, a little, it's, not, it's not, not something I, I cherish. In my country, in Europe, we have a problem that most people do not know what libertarianism stands for. Uh, so maybe you ask, you can ask a question, is it better if they don't know or if they have this wrong notion? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, sometimes they mix it with libertinism. Liber Libertinism, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is uh, just live a, live, live a uh, sort of lifestyle that's off yeah. the beaten path, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. Also, uh, libertarianism, um, I believe it, it still can have a very interesting proposition because uh, even though this candidate you mentioned made this collection of issues, she doesn't need to because libertarianism does have this uh, set of ideas that uh, basic set of ideas that that should give you um, um, ability to answer these issues yourself. You don't right. need this lady to tell you what to think on these issues, right? Well, if you teach the principle, if you teach, if you teach it, yeah. I don't think libertarianism is over. Actually, I think it is a beautiful idea, and we can and should um, work on making it. Uh, even uh, shining brighter uh, to be uh, to be set of idea to be set of ideas, not set of issues. Yeah, and to um, be fair, but we need let live and let live. Obviously, to be fair to libertarianism, it doesn't pretend to be a peace movement. Libertarianism is a freedom movement, and this is very different than a peace movement, right? Because I would concede that uh, if you could arrange the law such that it, everything in the law was in harmony with what, what I've described as the live and let live legal principle. Well, this means nobody is aggressing against anybody else, or if they do, they're in violation of the law. That's great. That can get you to freedom, right? You can be the iron-fisted dictator of your own mind and body and property and time and all of that and still not be at peace with your neighbor, right? You could yell ugly statements to your neighbor, as long, like you said, as long as you don't trespass, you're not at peace. Peace is requires something in addition to just simply not aggressing against other people or their property. Freedom requires some aspect of compliance with a, some ethics or moral ideas, some aspect of I care enough about this other person. I don't hate this other person. Have you ever seen that movie, uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, Grand Torino? Yes, I love Grand so, Torino. So you know how Clint Eastwood sitting there just kind of on his porch in the middle of an Asian neighborhood, hates all Asians, calls them horrible slurs, says, keep off my lawn and everything like that? That's what I think about when you talk about the person who's abiding by the freedom terms yeah. but is not at peace with their neighbors. Absolutely. Right? We can, look, guys. Uh, Libertarianism and 3L, live and let live, are not in conflict. That's right. Of course, that's true. Of course, yeah. The broader concept is libertarian concept. And something we should spread as a, as a vocation, maybe, or as a, 
new kind of evangelia, I don't know, is the live and let live yeah. um, principles. One inside another, no conflict. Yeah, but I think my point Let's that I was—I think my point I was trying to make is that libertarianism at large has a marketing problem. It has—it oh, yeah. it has oh, a yeah. serious marketing oh, yeah. problem and a serious communication problem. And the whole point of this freedom movement, whether you call yourself a voluntarist, a live and let liver, a freedom advocate, an anarcho-capitalist, the point should be we got to change hearts and minds because all this means nothing if it's just the freedom crowd talking to one each other and our small circles we got it we've got to market it correctly we got to communicate it in ways that people can understand that's my main critique of libertarianism and uh, i like the idea that there is organized new organized movement and community named live and let live trying to promote ideas of peace ideas of freedom uh, um, also ideas of coexisting peacefully well that's peace actually coexisting together intolerance uh, as a new attempt to spread the ideas that are close to my heart yeah I like it I I don't believe that we should be limited to old techniques that did not work out very well yeah and also Let's try new techniques yeah and also you know libertarianism is a bit old-fashioned in the sense that it talks about a free society well our society now's the planet right we we travel more easily uh, maybe not at this very moment, but we generally have the ability to travel more easily international. We can trade international without any problem at all. Um, companies are located in, in, in different uh, countries. People in other countries can use technology where they can actually spread uh, or present a substantial risk to other people anywhere in the world. We can no longer just focus on a free society or even a peaceful society. We got to act globally. We got to think globally because that's our community now. And we got to get past all this sort of distaste and hatred for people who speak differently or look different than us. We're all brothers and sisters. We got to really make peace with this. No, none of us chose where we were born or when we were born uh, or how we were raised for that matter. And we need to have, I think we should have a little bit more sympathy and empathy for that instead of. Uh, finding differences between each other that we can nitpick about and look for reasons to divide each other. We should be looking for reasons, even divergent reasons, to celebrate. Let's celebrate the differences between each other. I I think this is just so crazy uh, that we don't welcome with open arms people who look and sound different. There's different foods, different cultures, different songs, different things there. that we gradually do, I think, Mark, I mean, if you look at the, at the global scale, we gradually do. Because we're moving in the right direction. We're moving in the right direction. And, and uh, more and more people of different nationalities, different backgrounds, actually cherish the fact that they can meet their brothers and sisters of different backgrounds and nationalities and religions whatsoever. So I think actually we are getting there. And I, I, I don't think I agree with you that the notion of free society is a problem here. Because... Uh, the word society, you can define it uh, on <laughs> different levels. Sure, if you wanted to define society you say global as global society, global. You, can, you can say the global society. You can say fair enough. But look at Switzerland, for example. They are very local oriented, locally oriented uh, in one way. Um, they have the small cantons that have very strong autonomy, uh, and then even inside cantons, they have even smaller administrative regions. 
And yet, this is one of the freest countries when it comes to laws and, um, and regulations, uh, trading with entire world, uh, friendly to entire world, basically. And uh, they have this local perspective on, on, on many things, but yet it doesn't close their eyes on the world. And they have lots of immigrants, they have great trade with entire world. So I, I don't see this contradiction between local and global. I think they can uh, work mutually. Yeah, I, I'm not saying there has to be a contradiction here. But for example, we just finished with the Trump years and the big slogan there was America first. Okay, this sounds like an obnoxious kind of a slogan to me. Um, instead of America first, which which sort of implies we don't really care as much about you know other people in the world, I like the idea of think win-win. I wish I could have spoken to him while he was president and, and maybe tried to convince him to say, look, let's think about deals that absolutely uh, benefit the United States, but there's no reason they can't also benefit our trading partners just as much. Why can't we find a great deal for the United States that's also a great deal for other countries or the rest of the world? Why does it have to be either us or them? It's sort of this fixed pie type of thinking, and that's that's really what I'm against. I think we should not think so much about uh, just us or our little local community here and start thinking more globally because I I think we're – look, the the, – the box is open. We're a global community now, right? I mean, you look, you're, you came in from Poland. It wasn't all, if it wasn't for the corona thing, it wouldn't have been that hard. It's not that expensive anymore to travel from Poland. You could pick up the phone and call back to Poland anytime. And could, on the subject of that corona thing, somebody somewhere over in China did a thing that causes me to have to put on a mask when I walk into the grocery store down the street here in Chandler, Arizona. Yeah. We're a global community, whether we want to be or not. That's right. Go to Tempe. There's no mask. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Pretty much here in Arizona, the masks have come off in most places. That's true. Thank That's goodness for nice. them. Pretty nice about Arizona, I need to say. Yeah, we don't. I don't even really think about it much until I travel outside. And yeah, I'm, we were just in Hawaii a couple of weeks ago, and it is very different attitude over there. It sure is. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, we're out of time. But uh, Yatsik, I'm not going to make you spell out all your websites and everything. It'll be at the bottom of the screen right here. But I want to give you the last word. Any last thoughts? Anything you want to plug? Any cool events coming up? Here I am in Arizona doing Project Arizona. So make sure to check it out. ProjectArizona.us and check out uh, this project on Facebook and uh, also on Instagram. We have fantastic events. We work closely with Attorneys for Freedom, with Live and Let Live, and there'll be a lot, a lot of good, good stuff here. Check out Liberty International, and we have a conference this summer in August in Lviv, Ukraine, and I very much hope, I know that Live and Let Live will be there. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic conference. Uh, our conference are kind of family events. People from the entire world are coming, different professions, business people, students, academics, think tank leaders, all together uh, celebrating freedom, peace, the ideas we hold dear. And we have a good time. Yeah, let me just let me just buttress that point a little bit. This was one of the most fun conferences I think I ever went to. There were a lot of social events during the entire conference. I remember one, I was having dinner, and all of a sudden these two people came out and started dancing, and they kept going and going. There were professional dancers there with music. It was there were wonderful people from all over the world. I feel like I got friends in many different countries now. So really, I definitely. Um, agree with you if people are interested and want to 
go to a fun place to travel and meet people from leaders in in the kind of freedom crowd from all over the world. They should very much uh, check out Liberty International, join the organization, uh, support it. I send money every month to Liberty International. You're a member. I am a, member. a member. of Liberty International. I'm a member of, of Live and Live. That's true. And uh, high five. Yes, high it's five. It's all about joining forces, gentlemen. Absolutely, and and it's it's been a great it's a great organization. They've been around a long time. It's run by wonderful people who are honest and very much committed to the cause. And so, yeah, if you if you're inclined to travel to the Ukraine, uh, I think there's a pretty good chance that I'll be there. Uh, for this conference. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. Yatsi. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, by the, uh, the end, I want to say that I'm a uh, big fan of Live and Let Live. I want the movement to grow. I'm looking forward to the next year's conference very, very much. And whatever I can do and my organization to make it grow, we will do because we all need to live and let live. No doubt. Here, here. Thank awesome. Yeah, so it's, it's been an honor, man. Both me and uh, Mark are honored to have you here. Thanks for coming all the way from Poland to hang y- out. Yatsik, with us. you're going to flash the shaka with us. He'll yes. he'll figure yes. it out. Everybody, right. go check out liveandletlive.org for this podcast and many more. There's all kinds of great information on there. Start a chapter in your area today. Get involved. Don't just sit idly. There's so many ways that you could be a part of this movement. We're a 501c3. Feel free to make a donation. Check out upcoming events. Check out our podcast and join the movement. Get involved. Until next time, my friends. This is Attorney Andy Markintel and Attorney Mark J. Victor. We're the Peace Radicals. Peace!